Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. And we are live. At least we are live. Maybe some of the people watching aren't. Yeah. But, but, but they're live too. They're just not live live. They're all live. They're all live. <laughs> Welcome to the wonderful, wonderful author, Rebecca Garden-Levington. It's so wonderful to have you on the show. It's so awesome to be here. I've listened to you for years, I think. Um, as long as you've been on, I've been listening to your interviews and I'm a big fan. Okay, I'm automatically a big fan of yours also. And thank you to Charlotte Offsay for introducing yeah. us, um, except she should have done it long ago. I mean, we'll have to talk to her about that. Yeah, except that I didn't know her long ago, so there, you know. <laughs> Actually, it, she and I met, I think, um, initially, we took the Lyrical Language Lab class together with Renee mm-hmm. Latouille years ago, like 2016, 2017, something like that. And I don't think we ever actually met in person. We just knew each other virtually uh, and then sort of kept in touch, uh, you know, via social media and whatnot. And Uh, so we've never physically met Charlotte either. No, no. She's in California and L.A. Mm -hmm. and I'm in New Jersey. So, yeah. Okay. well, we have to organize something here. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, so wonderful. We are celebrating uh, your new book, which is out or almost out. Uh, it comes out on the 20th, um, September, February 20th, yeah. J- just in time for Passover. Yep. And it's a Passover book yep. uh, about the Afikoman who gets away. And yep. uh, show us show us your wonderful book, Afikoman, Where Did You Go? Afikoman, Where Did You Go? A Passover hide-and-seek adventure. <laughs> Uh, written by me and illustrated by Noah Kellner, who is uh, an Israeli yeah. illustrator. And so you're going to tell well us. Known. Yes, you're going to tell us how all this happened. Um, okay. So uh, a few words about the, this book um, and uh, and the publisher. It's it's a new imprint, uh, Rocky Pond, right? Yep. Uh, Penguin and, Random uh, House, uh, Rocky Pond. It's headed by. Um, Lori Horneck. She's basically the, she is the imprint uh, and she's amazing. So the wonderful thing about this, you know, with the new imprint, I think that there may be not even a year old and you're one of the first books, which means she's putting all of her, uh, I'm going to say Easter eggs in one basket um, and and really counting on this book. And I I can see why, because it's a very clever uh, take on the, uh, on the Afikoman story. Uh, and it's full of uh, charm and humor. Um, 
tell us about it and read a few uh, pages and show show some of Noah's uh, charming illustrations. Sure. And I'm so, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it away. Um, oh no! I, don't I mean, give away the ending though. No, okay, but but, but yeah. you have to. I mean, you have to run out and buy this book. Um, you know, whether you're Jewish or you collect Easter eggs, it's a cute, very cute story. Tell us about it, Rebecca. Um, okay, so basically, I, I like to describe it as the gingerbread man meets Where's Waldo. Um, I'd always wanted to do a uh, a spoof, not a spoof, a fractured fairy tale version of the gingerbread man, because I just think it's a funny story. Oi, oi, vey, I, I'm doing this as we speak. Uh-oh, and, I'm sorry. And, and, and now everybody knows. Oh, no. Okay. Well, this, I didn't so, spell it. This, this was one of the questions <laughs> I was going to ask you. Because, oh, okay. you know, um, why doesn't it say uh, run, run as fast as you can? You can't catch me. I'm the ethical man. Well, I I thought of that, but then I thought <laughs> <Not> sure. <not. laughs> okay. I decided to go, come up with my own refrain. Okay. Um, but, you know, this was sort of the blending of two things, like uh, as a Jewish person who celebrates Passover um, every year, uh, and Passover has always been basically my favorite holiday because I, I describe it as, to, to non-Jews, I say it's the Jewish Thanksgiving. You know, it's a time when you come together, you eat lots of yummy food, you, you know, talk about what you're thankful for. And, you know, freedom and how happy you are to have the things in your life. And also because now I live on the West Coast, my family lives on in the San Francisco area. And when you I just moved... said one second, hold on, you're on the East Coast. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't know my oh. direction. I'm, on, I'm in New Jersey. <laughs> my family still lives in the Bay Area, California. Um, and when I moved out here uh, after college, um, you know, the time that I would go home would be Passover. Like that was the time when we all got together and I always made a point, you know, no matter what was going on in my life to go home. And so it's a very special time for me. And so I knew I wanted to write a story about Passover in general. And as a kid, my favorite part of the Seder, as is the favorite part of most children, is the looking for the afikomen. And for people who don't know what that is, it's basically a piece of matzah. And matzah is a flat, very tasteless cracker unless you slather some butter on it um <laughs> or or chocolate or chocolate or something you need to have something on it otherwise it tastes like cardboard but it's a piece of cracker and you as part of the symbolism of the seder there's a part at which you break one of the matzahs in half ish and the larger piece becomes the afikomen and is wrapped up in a napkin or in a special pouch and is hidden by the leader of the Seder somewhere in the house. And after we eat our meal, the kids run around the house looking for this piece of afikomen. And then there's usually some sort of prize. In my house, it was a dollar, you know, which was a lot of money in those days. <laughs> Um, and you know, so that it was just, it was just fun. It was like a time to be with my cousins and my sister and whoever else was at the Seder and we would run around and just have a good time. And so I wanted to bring that joy and excitement to a book. Um, and I just thought it would be really cool if the Afi Komen himself was a, a character. Um, and so the story is essentially, you know, the kids from the Seder, in the book chasing around this afikomen who's hiding from them 
And then on each spread of the book, uh, Noah Kellner has created these amazing elaborate spreads that are intentionally busy uh, to, you know, trick the reader of the book to try to, they have to now find the Afikoman on the page, uh, sort of like Where's Waldo or- Also, I love these end papers. Like you can see, he's so cute. <laughs> Um, do you want me to read some, or you want me to just show? Yes, uh, yes. But I mean, we're we're on the we're on the roll now with the illustrations. So show yeah. us uh, one of these, and um, and in every illustration, and, and I don't think you see it the first time round, uh, which is wonderful. Um, it's like uh, you have to look back, and then on every illustration, yeah, somewhere so like in the, the picture, somewhere in the picture. Is this little Happy Coleman? And as you can see, like Noah really used lots of browns and beiges to sort of trick the reader because the Happy Coleman is beige and brown. So there's a lot of camouflage and she has like a lot of things that look like the Happy Coleman in the pages, but is not. And so it's, it's, I showed this to my dad and he was like, are you sure he's in there? You know? Yeah. <laughs> By the way, this looks exactly like my room as a kid. <laughs> so so um so in each way. in each uh, double spread and that's why they don't find it because wherever they look he's moving uh, he's hiding that's right um, he's in a different place in a different room yeah and, and and we won't give away the uh, the very very adorable ending except to say that um if you were true to the gingerbread man story uh he should be eaten in the end and that's usually how we um end our passover seder or at least the meal by eating the half of the afikoma um, and uh, that would be very uh, such a sad thing to do in such a um, lovely and positive uh, book as yours. Well, so, I'll tell you a secret, Mal. Yeah. The original ending did have him eaten. Of course. So that's a spoiler. Spoiler. He does not get eaten. <laughs> but, Hi, but, 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 I mean, there's a little trick, right? There's a little twist at the end, so I'm not going to give that part away. But the original version did have him 100% gone eaten. And uh, my editor, Lori Hornick, was like, it's a little bit too cannibalistic. <laughs> She's like, I don't know if the kids are going to like that. And I said, well, if you look at the gingerbread man, he always gets eaten at the end. No, he, he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't? Because, yeah, because I'm writing about him. And I just saw oh. a cartoon yesterday where um, a bird uh, picks him uh, from the fox with her beak at the last moment and uh, flies in the air and the, and the gingerbread man says, you're probably going to eat me, right? And the bird says, no, I don't like gingerbread man. And she's, I don't like gingerbread man. And she drops him. So, you know, um, I, I was guessing that even if you uh, wanted to have the Afikoman eaten, uh, there would be an editor that wants a Hollywood ending. Um, and uh, this is something that we, we have to live with. And so does the yeah, Afikoman. Well I mean, my original version or in my brain, I actually had some back matter originally with this where I was interviewing or he was being interviewed. Um, and he was like this really like arrogant, you know, smarmy guy, you know? And so I, in my brain, when I was writing this, I was thinking of him as sort of a villain character. Uh, and so in my head, I was like, well, I think the kids are going to want him to get, get, you know, get eaten, you know, get his just desserts, you know? <laughs> and so I thought that would be fun. Uh, but as Noah 
you know, once that's, I mean, that's a good example of like how the illustrations sort of inform. Yeah. I, well, I, I, well, I, you're ahead of me here. So oh, okay, you said sorry. you said you said just desserts, and that's really a good pun here. Um, yes. And 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 you've departed from the uh, natural oh. uh, way that we celebrate the seder because you you said this. You cannot go on uh, with the second half of the seder until you've eaten the apikoman. Right. Um, so there's a little um, little conservative conservatism there. Or, Reform jury, but it's okay with me. Um, okay. And you have some of the people with the skull caps and some of the without, and it's a it's a love fest. Um, yes. So you talked about the the uh, relationship with the illustrator. Um, who whose idea was it to have this uh, Afikoman uh, hiding in each double spread? How did that come about? Uh, that was my idea from the original version of it. That's how I pitched it. Uh, basically exactly that way as Gingerbread Man meets uh, Where's Waldo. That was my original pitch. Um, and Lori picked up on it immediately. I think this sold in like five days after submission. She She's like, I love it. I have an illustrator in mind. Like she knew she could see it immediately, uh, which does not always happen. <laughs> um, and so I was thrilled. Yeah, so that was that was my and, idea. And, and, and there's there's other Afikoman picture books, uh, but this one has a really unique uh, voice to it. Um, it, it so so uh, you forgot to read us a page or two. Well, I didn't forget it. You told me to just show you the illustrations first. So now now I will read. I'm trying okay. to play by your rules now. No, you don't have to play by my <laughs> rules. This is your show, dear. All right, I'll just read. Rebecca 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 rules. <laughs> Rebecca rules. All right. Have you seen the Afikoman? He's a silly, sneaky guy. But together, we will find him. We can do this, you and I. All my cousins and my sister will be searching for him, too. But that prize is ours. I know it. I'm determined. How about you? Is he hiding somewhere high? Is he hiding somewhere low? Afikoman? Afikoman? Afikoman, where'd you go? We dismantle all the cushions and explore beneath each chair in between the stacked Haggadahs and the curls of Safta's hair. Then we sprint to Ima's office, scan the desk, the plant, the floor, and we sift through scattered papers, poke our heads in every drawer. Is he hiding somewhere high? Is he hiding somewhere low? Afikoman, 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 where'd you go? Fantastic. And we're gonna get back to your pension for writing in gorgeous rhyme. Um, and, and now's a good time uh, to go back to Rebecca from the beginning. Okay. And, uh, and then we'll talk about your other two lovely books that are behind you, uh, which are, I would say, completely different. They're, they're very different. Totally than different. The, yeah. Than the new one. Um, yeah. But let's, this is a good time to go back to Rebecca from, from the age of zero. Okay. <laughs> um, once upon a time. <laughs> Uh, so I was born in... Once upon a time, and it doesn't have to rhyme. Okay, well, that's good, because it's not gonna. Uh, I was born in Smithtown, New York, which is uh, on Long Island. Uh, and my parents moved to the Bay Area in California, Foster City, uh, when I was two years old, two and a half. Uh, and then I grew up out in the Bay Area. And... Uh, Okay, I don't know where to go from there. Um, so I had a you know pretty normalish childhood until at age seven, my parents divorced, and that 
definitely um, played a, a huge role in, you know, how I grew up and my feelings about my family and my parents and all of that. Um, I always loved reading from a very, very young age. I always loved writing. I've kept a journal since I was seven. Um, and I have journals up in my attic, like hundreds of journals up in my attic. Uh, and I still keep a journal to this day. Wow. Um, not, not every day. I used to do every day for a long time. Um, but now it's more like every few days um, I check in with my journal. Um, you've, you've already killed 17 trees, you realize. Well, I'm sorry. But, but there's, I, there's two beach spots and we can plant a few more. <laughs> yeah. Um, so one second, now before you go further. Okay. Yep. Um, so uh, as, a, as a small child, well, this is um, poignant because you know my theory that um, us writers who write picture books uh, are stuck at the age of five, six, seven, four, um, and uh, I guess you're stuck there, even though you write for a bit younger age. Um, you're like, I, I see you as a five-year-old. See, I thought about this a lot because I listened to your podcasts. Um, and I actually think I'm, I am about seven because my, my picture books, Aki Komen definitely goes down a little bit in age than my usual stuff. Um, both Whatever Comes Tomorrow and Brainstorm, I feel like is a little bit older. You know, Brainstorm is about brainstorming and ideas and about writing um so it's that's usually more like I feel like second third grade which is like seven eight right and then mm -hmm. whatever comes tomorrow is about managing your uh you know anxious feelings your feelings mm -hmm. of worry about the future about the unknown you know which also is sort of a and, it, and it's written in like lyrical rhyme so and it has a lot of some big words in there so i feel like it's slightly older than five okay, I, I'm, I'm gonna yeah okay so if you yeah you peg yourself as a seven-year-old who am i to argue yeah. with you but i think that and, seven ish was like when mm -hmm. i started really um feeling things deeply if that makes any sense a lot of my yeah. books and 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 and, and yeah. the whatever comes tomorrow which is ostensibly a picture book but it's actually for any age, exactly. it's a it's a universal story, and this I think maybe comes from from this pain that you're working through, and that all of us have, um, and uh, it's wonderful. I, so a little bit, we'll get we'll get to your gorgeous books, a little okay. bit more about Rebecca. Uh, okay, let's see. So ah, you didn't tell us what your oh. favorite uh, picture books were when you were growing up as a kid. That's a great question. I, I really loved all the Dr. Seuss books. I was super into poetry in general, but those books, uh, also Shel Silverstein, I was like huge Shel Silverstein fan, still am. Uh, I know there's some controversies about him, but, and Dr. Seuss. I mean, exactly. I mean, like, I can't help it. That's what I grew up on. <laughs> all, 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 the, all the great authors are a subject of controversy these days. Right. Right. So, but yes, um, I was, I've always been a fan of rhyme and poetry in general, like very young. I have a, a notebook somewhere where I literally like would copy poems that I loved into my notebook. And then I would try to create my own poems that sounded like those poems, um, you know, and I was mimic, I mean, very early, I'm saying like eight, nine, 10, like I was really, uh, I was reading uh, Emily Dickinson. I was reading, you know, Robert Frost. I, I would go to the library to buy, to buy, to, to check out, 
you know, poetry books because I, I just, I don't know, there was something about the rhythm and about the, the flow and, and the meaning behind words um, that has always attracted me for, from very early on. And the um, nonsense and the Lewis Carroll. Yeah. Oh yeah. It all, every, all of them, <laughs> everything. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, um, and then you went and you, you became a, um, a, a journal, journalist major, magazine journalism. What is that? Right. Well, so I went to You have college. a master's in magazine journalism. I, yes, I do. Um, so I went, first I went to undergraduate at UCLA and I was a communications major because that was the closest thing you could get to it, it was very, it's a liberal college. So it was like, there was no, there was no journalism major. There was no writing major. Like it was communications. So it's very, very broad. Uh, I had a minor in business because my, I just, I felt like I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I thought that would be a good, you know, backup or <laughs> I didn't know what I wanted. So I did a few um, internships in advertising because I thought that's sort of a mix of creativity and business and I thought well maybe that'll you know connect with me it didn't really but after uh, graduating I decided to move to New York um, I was very very close with my grandmother who lived on Long Island and she said you know would you like to come live with me while you get on your feet and I was like yes I would. <laughs> I love you, and I want to. I would rather be with you than go back home to my broken family. No offense, there's mom a, and dad. <laughs> the, Rebecca, there's a there's a story here. Oh, there's so many stories. <laughs> I'm waiting. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I'm still working through them all. All right. Um, so anyway, so I lived with my grandma on Long Island. I commuted to the city. I had a job in advertising for about a yearish change. Um, and I realized that it wasn't quite hitting the note that I needed. I, I was the people I was working for, the advertising agency, you know, recognized that I was a good writer. They would give me all the writing things. So I would write press releases or if there was copy for an ad that we were working on, they would bring me in and ask me, which is amazing. I was like 20 years old and they were, you know, in addition to me going out to get the coffee, they were actually, you know, <laughs> letting me do some stuff. Uh, and then I had seen there was um, like a night class for uh, feature writing, feature journalism uh, through the NYU extension. Uh, and I was like, you know what, maybe try that. I don't know. That sounds fun. So I took this class in magazine journalism at night. <laughs> and this should have been the tip off that journalism was not for me. But as part of the class, you had to like go out and interview people and then you'd write the story. So, but I was so shy and I knew that I wasn't being really graded in this class. So I made it all up. <laughs> I like just made up people Come on. that I <laughs> I know. And the teacher loved my stuff. And he's like, you should totally get a degree in journalism. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so, so I applied to NYU master's in journalism and I got in, I got a scholarship. It was like, a year and a half program and I did that but then I realized once I was there I actually had to go out and interview people <laughs> real, real people 
real people. And they and and during that time, I did an internship with Newsday, New York Newsday. I did an internship with the New York Observer. I did an internship with Advertising Age magazine. Um, and so I was doing all of this literally like for, for Newsday, like they would be like, okay, so there was a body found in a closet in Harlem. Can you go interview the neighbors? And I'm like, I'm like 21, 22 and, and, and you know, like, I'm like, what? I don't know how to do that. But they would just send me and I would be like, okay, and knock, knock, knock. Hi, uh, how do you feel about, you know, the fact that there was a body found <laughs> next door neighbor's closet? Um, and I did some crazy things and I can't believe I did it. Honestly, it feels like somebody else. Um, but anyway. Uh, well, I yeah, No, well, we, we need an example here, a real example here. Well, that is, that's a real example right there. Oh, uh, that's uh, a real example? That's a, I, literally I did that. Ah, like, <laughs> I thought you made that one up. Oh no, I covered, uh, I tell my it, kids, it, there was it, a Ku Klux Klan rally it, that I covered. I had to go down, I had to interview people who were, who were protesting it and people who were for it. I had, I went to, um, I did some silly things too. Like they send me, there was like a storm coming and they're like, okay, go to LaGuardia <laughs> and interview people who've been stranded <laughs> and tell us how they feel. <laughs> like, okay so i'd walk up to people who are like lounging on their on their all their luggage and they've been there for like 12 hours i'm like so how do you feel about your you know plane <laughs> delayed for 12 hours and they're like are you kidding me <laughs> so yeah these were real examples um and i realized very quickly that that at least newspaper journalism was definitely not for me um it was too fast the pace you know you had to get the story get all the quotes first of all you had to talk to people which again i'm an introvert was not my thing then you had to run back to the newsroom and type it all up in two hours and like it was so stressful for me um somehow i survived that um and then ended up getting a job in magazine after i graduated at a magazine called american demographics which no longer exists but was actually quite fascinating despite the title um, it was all about uh, consumer trends and why people, you know, spend money on things that they do, like pets. Like I did a whole feature story about pets and how people spend all this money on their pets, like their children and, you know, things like that. And it was it was I loved that job. Um, but again, with magazines, I had a little bit extra time. Right. I had like two weeks to turn in a feature versus two hours. So that was better. But I also, but I missed playing with words. Like I missed spending time luxuriating in, you know, wordplay and 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 meaning and all of all of that. So it wasn't quite the right fit either. Um, so should I keep going? I feel like I'm talking a lot. <laughs> you are, but it's your show, and I'm having so much fun. So oh, I have okay. to assume I have to assume that the listeners are as well. Oh, okay. but I mean, at, at some stage. Um, during the day, uh, you do want to start talking about your poetry career and how you got into yes. children's I'm literature. Sorry. Yes, no, don't keep... be sorry. We're having fun. So anyway, so long story short, I I quit journalism. I, I I did do freelance journalism for a few years. Got pregnant with my first son. Decided, okay, I'm going to be a mom now. Spent six years being a mom. Uh, had two another son. I had two two kids. 
And when my second son went back, when my second son went to school and I had some free time, I took a, I missed writing. I missed playing with words. Like I said, I missed poetry. I took a local class that was called, where do I begin? Um, it was literally just like, where do you begin? And the teacher ended up being a, a middle grade author who um, saw, she kept giving us these prompts and I kept coming up with poetry. I kept coming up with these little poems. And she said, you know, have you thought about children's books? And even though I had read all these books with my kids and loved them, it never occurred to me until she said that. I'm like, who, oh, is, wait, who, is, who is this author? Let's shout out. Oh my God. Her name was um, Lizzie Foley. Um, okay. She wrote, I, I think she only wrote one book. I don't know what she's doing now. I haven't been in touch with her. Okay. Um, but she wrote a book. Um, now I can't remember the title. Um, and maybe she's written more, but I don't think so. I feel like we, I would have heard about it. So she but she was you, amazing. Why, why did you sorry. write? And you said, write for kids. And you said, oh, my goodness. Why yeah, and I said, okay. She said, oh, have you heard of the SCBWI? And I was like, nope. And it just turned certain, like in a few months, they were having their conference um, that summer in New Jersey. And I said, I'm going to go to the conference. Why not? I'm going to learn about this. And so I did. And it was my people. And I realized like this, I saw, I did a um, session with Lori Degman, who is an amazing rhymer and who subsequently, like he, a couple of years later, I ended up winning a mentorship from, and she is actually directly responsible for a brainstorm. This, this, is, this is crazy. There's so because... many stories, Bill. There's no, so many no, stories. Because... Somebody sent me one of her stories as a comp for something I'm writing. Somebody in my critique group. This is crazy, right? Yeah. Um, oh, and yeah. also, I know that you've interviewed Ariel um, Bernstein. Ariel Bernstein, yeah. Yeah, so she, Ariel, hi, Ariel. She is local to New Jersey. <laughs> and she was at that conference, the very first conference I went to in 2016. And I was like the wallflower. I was sitting by myself. And she came up to me. And she's like, hi, are you new? Said, you know? Hi, I, I have a balloon. It, well, yeah, exactly. And so she, at that time, none of her books had been published yet. They were all under contract. I love, I love these stories. I love <laughs> and the she stories. Was, she was like such, so kind to me. And she welcomed me into the She fold. is so kind. So kind, yeah. She's really kind. I can tell yeah. everybody. She's really kind. She is. So that was After, after the interview, she introduced me to a lot of other authors. So she's, she's the real thing. I have a feeling you are too. Keep going. Oh, thanks. Yeah. So that was so that I realized like that, that is what I wanted to no, do. No, but I mean, you, you went to the New Jersey show. Did you have a manuscript? Did you meet anybody? I, well, I met Ariel. I, yeah. I did this thing with Lori Degman or I, I didn't meet her at that show. I didn't meet her there, but I went to her rhyming man, her rhyming session. And as she was talking, I was like, yes, this, this is it. This is what I want to do. And I want to learn more. And mm -hmm. I did have some, what I thought were manuscripts at that time, but they were not, they were just poems. And I didn't quite understand at that moment, at that time, what it meant to be like a rhyming author. Like I didn't understand that there's a way to do it correctly and there's a way to do it not correctly. And I thought I was doing it correctly because I had an ear for it. Like I always had a rhythm for it. I've read a lot of poetry. So it, it's sort of in my genes, but I had this one manuscript and I would give it to somebody to read and they would read it 
And I would say, you're reading it wrong. And they're like, what are you talking about? I'm reading your manuscript. No, but you're putting the syllables in the wrong, you know, because when you write something, you know where you want, how people, you want them to stress it and whatever. And if you're not writing it correctly, if you are not putting in the, you know, the natural stresses in the right order, then somebody's going to trip on it. People, uh, people, no are, people are going to read it the way that they want to read, read it. it. Not, yeah. not the way that you think that you wrote it. Exactly. This, this so, is the, this I didn't is understand biggest, that. Well, this is the biggest difficulty, of course, for, yes. for rhyme, because the rhyme has to have a meter and has to have a rhythm. Yes. And uh, and most people don't understand that. Yes. Um, and uh, But you do. So keep going. Oh. Yeah, so I didn't though at that time. Right. Like I thought I knew, but I didn't know what I but didn't Rebecca, know. Rebecca, this is the most important, you see. Um, I'm an old Jewish guy. It took me over 60 years to realize that I wasn't writing well. So like like there's a moment where you go to an SCPWI meeting thinking that you're really good, and you look yeah. around, everybody writes much better than you do, and look at your back and say, Oi vey, oi vey. what yes. is Mr. Gas? I gotta learn. Yeah. Exactly. That's exactly what happened. Like I was like oh okay well I thought I was amazing and apparently I am not and so after that I I took Renee Latulipe's lyrical language lab class yes. Hi, Renee. It changed my life completely because now like she explained like this is the science of rhyme like this is you, there is a way to do it correctly and then you can play like once you know the rules then you can play with it, but you need to understand the rules. And I did not understand the rules. I was just doing it by the seat of my pants, which was good-ish, but it was not right. And so once I learned the actual rules, and then I practiced and practiced and practiced and practiced, and I swapped with people, and I learned, and I joined uh, poetry groups and critique, whatever. And so it took time. Like, you know, that was 2016 when I started. I didn't sell my first book until 2020. You know, like it definitely, I mean, I, believe me, I know that's fast in, in the world for a lot of people, <laughs> but, you know, it still took a lot of time. I'm going to say something, and I keep saying this. Um, even if you're really good, the chance is still one in a hundred. Right. Uh, but when I read your, your bio, I've had several people on the show who came from advertising and magazines and journalism, and they understand. It's not like people like me who came from science and, and thought that if you could write a scientific article, you write a children's book. Um, but you, because of your background and your capabilities, um, as soon as you learned a few letters in the alphabet, you were, you were running. And uh, most of us have to learn all the letters in the alphabet and more. Um, so I, my feeling is that your background was really helpful, you know, and that you've been writing for magazines and journalists, and, and you know how to condense a story and how That's to find the empathy in a story and how to yeah. talk to the to the reader. And this is so obvious in your writing. Oh, so keep, keep keep going. How did you find Caitlin? How did you get your career oh. going? How did you become <sighs> one of the 1,000? Oh my goodness. Oh, there's so many stories. Okay. So briefly, I, dear, briefly. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm not a brief person <laughs> as you're, as you're learning. Um, okay. So I think the best place to start is, uh, 2019, I applied for the PB chat mentorship program, which was, which I don't, 
think exists anymore, but it was a, a mentorship that you were matched. If you were selected, you were matched, if you were lucky enough to be selected, you were matched with a published writer. Uh, I was lucky enough to be chosen by Lori Degman, along with two other wonderful writers, uh, uh, Jenna Waldman and Kelly Conroy, who are now very close friends and critique partners with me. So the three of us were with matched with Lori and with Lori, you know, I worked again on some manuscripts, none of which sold. Um, but at the end of the mentorship, she said, you know, would you like me to introduce you to some of the editors that I've worked with? And I said, of course, <laughs> I didn't have an agent. Uh, and she introduced me to Sarah Rocket at Sleeping Bear. Wow. And um, I, it was a huge introduction. And I sent her what I had been working on with Lori, one of the manuscripts, the one that I loved the most. And she's like, this is nice. I like your rhyme, but this is not for us. Um, but she said, I love your rhyme. If you have anything else, feel free to send it. So I sent her another one and she rejected that one. And I sent her another one and she rejected that one. And then I finally, I had brainstorm and I was like, uh, I'm just going to go ahead and send it because I don't have an agent. So this is the opportunity. So I just sent it. And she find and she loved it. And uh, short story, even though it really took many, many months, uh, they acquired it, and that became my first book. Uh, and before, but before they picked, yay! <laughs> but before they had picked it up, I was querying brainstorm with a bunch of agents, and one of those agents was Caitlin. Caitlin Sanchez is my current agent, uh, but at the time, she had just started agenting. She had opened up to queries for literally three days in the summer of 2019, 20, I think it's 2019, no, 2020, sorry, 2020. And um, she was flooded, of course, with queries. And she took on like 14 clients, right, all at once. And um, she got in touch with me. She's like, I really love this. Um, I love, she asked me for more work. I sent her more work. She said, I really like your stuff but I've just taken on 14 clients. I really need to not take on any more. Can I hold your stuff for the future? And I said, of course. <laughs> so like two or three weeks later, I got the offer for Brainstorm. And I didn't go back to her because she had just rejected me. And so I felt like, okay, well, she wouldn't take me two weeks ago. She's not gonna take me now. So I ended up doing that deal on my own. I moved on uh, and then that, uh, fall or that winter, there was a SCBWI one-on-one -on -one critique day through my New Jersey chapter, and it was a Zoom critique. And I happened to be matched with uh, Luana Horry at HarperCollins. And the manuscript that I sent her, she wasn't crazy about, but she's, and she also specifically said to me, like, rhyme is a very hard sell. You know, it doesn't translate well. It's, you know, it's hard. And so I was like, okay, you know, I get it. It's fine. Like, thank you so much for your time. She happened to have a week long submission window after the conference. And I had a brand new story called I Will Always Be. And I loved it. And I, I thought it had potential. And I said, you know what? Again, I don't have an agent. So I'm just going to go ahead and send it come what may. So I sent it. Two months later, I got an email from her saying, I love it so much. Please tell me it hasn't been acquired. I want to acquire it. So I was in a panic <laughs> and 
Um, she sent me this offer and I was like, oh my gosh, what do I do with this? So I went at the time, I went back to the 10 agents that I had sent it out to, none of which was Caitlin. I, you know, because again, Caitlin was closed to submissions, so I wasn't going to bother her. I had sent that story. I will always be to a bunch of agents out of 10 agents. They all rejected me. Six of them never responded to me at all. Three of them asked for more work um, and then passed. And I forget what happened with the other one, but they all rejected me. And then um, I still had this contract from HarperCollins. And I said, I need help. It's 20 pages long. I don't know what it is. I don't understand what this says. So, um, so I actually just went back. I emailed Caitlin and I said, look, I know you liked my stuff before. I know you're not open to submissions right now. You, but you know, but she had just moved to a new agency. So I thought maybe she had a little more bandwidth. So she said, you know, oh, I love this. Send me more of your current stuff. I did. And then we had a call and she signed me. And so it, that's. It, 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 it's, it's a great story. I, I want to summarize because I want to show both the books before we conclude. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so what have we learned here? First of all, it's okay to pester um and 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 go to conferences and show your stuff and uh, don't be afraid and ignore what everybody says about rhyme except that it's very difficult uh because if you find the right agent and the right editor um there's nothing like a, a, a terrific rhyming book and i'm saying this as somebody who doesn't necessarily write in rhyme uh certainly appreciate it as a musician um and 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 persevere and write and improve and um, and use your background, which in your case is a wonderful background in journalism and advertising. And um, I think I think it's wonderful. And, and so let's have a look at these two books. Um, I, I'm going to have to have you back because you have a couple of books coming out next year that have been announced and some stuff I don't know about. Um, but just just show us um, a little bit of brainstorm, uh, which I love in particular. Um, because uh, it's about the writing process, uh, you know, of somebody who's stuck and um, and you unstick them. And yes. uh, one one of my favorite author illustrators is Myra Kalman, and she's she's been on the show and um, I'm crazy about her. And there's there's something very Myra Kalman esque in this, uh, which makes me love it even more. So show a little bit of it. Read us a little bit of it. Sure, sure. So this is illustrated by uh, Kate Cronreif, who lives in Vienna. I think she's British, but she lives in Vienna right now. Um, and this is about a girl who, much like me, has to come up with ideas and gets stuck. And she imagines a storm brewing outside her window of ideas falling down from the sky. So that's where I got this idea from. This is like story storm. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Nothing, uh, nothing, nothing. And then bang, bang, bang. Yes, yeah, exactly. Uh, teacher says it's time to write. Ugh, I clench my pencil tight. I peek outside. It's gloomy, gray, cloudy, like my brain today. I think and think, but nothing's there. I slump, I sulk, I sigh, I stare. But then, kerplink, I feel a drop, one tiny thought, then more. Flip, plop, words and pictures, pitter-pat, drip, then drizzle, plunk, plonk, splat. And then obviously it goes on and the storm. No, show the next page. Oh, that's okay. The, that's the Myra Kalman-esque page. Oh, okay. I don't Here, know this that. one. I'm going to have to look her up. 
Yeah, you sure do. An you easy sure breeze becomes a blast of funny phrases flying past. Whoa, I laugh as nouns swirl round. An adverb knocks me to the ground. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Thanks. It, it, it really is brilliant, Rebecca. Thank you so much. Um, and, and while you were reading it, as somebody who calls themselves introverted, uh, which I already contest and I've known you for 30 minutes, um, is the way that you read the story and, and the way that the story tells itself and the way that the story lends itself to theater. And this is exactly what I talked about with Renee Latulipe a month and a half ago. Yeah. That a, and, and it's not for me. Alan Johnson talked about it in SBWI is the importance of a book being theater right. and, and, and making it um, easy for a parent who's not necessarily a thespian or a librarian or a grandparent to become an actor while reading the book. And, and, and that, is what, that is what this is all about. It's beautiful. And, the, and, now, and now whatever comes tomorrow, oh, which is sure. a book about, about optimism in the face of pessimism. And yes. um, it's, it's a subject that's been done many times. And yet you find a new beautiful way to do it. And um, I, I love your illustrations of the other books, but this one just is, is incredible. This, yeah. is, this is the uh, illustrator um, from Barcelona. Mariona Cabasa, yeah. From Barcelona, she, right? Barcelona, yeah. We, we have to get her on the show. This is... Um, I've never she, actually met her. I've never spoken to her. We've we've had, you know, Instagram correspondence, but that's well, pretty we, much we, it. We, we usually don't get to meet our illustrators. I know. It's really sad. I did meet Kate, uh, you know, on Zoom, but I haven't met Noah and I haven't met Mariona. I don't know. It's just the way it is. So sad. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, she so did we, a gorgeous we, we job. can fix it. Reach out to her. Okay, I will. And Maybe. say, uh, Mel wants to have you on the show. Do you speak English? Because uh, if I have to I speak think to her... Mariona, I believe, does. In Spanish or Catalan, it's going to be a, a, a major problema. Yeah, I think, she, I'm pretty sure she does. Um, okay, so I'll read a little bit of this. So basically, what happened with this one is that so I've suffered from anxiety my whole life. I didn't know that that's what it was, you know, until I became an older, you know, until I went to therapy. <laughs> um, and, you know, like I just, this was sort of like a poem that I wrote for myself, you know, to remind myself that, you know, whatever happens, whatever comes tomorrow, you're going to get through it. There's, you know, you've done it before. You're going to get through it again, you know, and so it's, it was just that, that kind of feeling. Um, I'm going to read, I think I'll read towards the middle because that's, um, here, I'll read here, starting here. I, I had anxiety for decades, dear. Yeah. I had agoraphobia. I like stayed home for a decade. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So, you know, anxiety is my middle name. Oh, well, I'm sorry to hear that. Well, hopefully this book helps you. <laughs> it helped me a lot. Okay. All right. I might, I might even sleep tonight. <laughs> um, so this is towards the middle. Tomorrow may bring obstacles that seem too hard to face. Tomorrow may bring feelings that will need some extra space. Tomorrow may bring questions that you have no answers for or answers that may lead you to more questions than before. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Ah, a second. Oh. Go back. This is, this is brilliant. This is the interplay between the author and the illustrator. Look how she made a double spread of those uh, of those two last ones. Okay? So sometimes yeah. she has she has both uh, couplets in a in a double spread 
And sometimes yes. she stretches it out. And this one is so beautiful. Go back, go back, go back. Look at that. And she's looking at a wilted plant. So there's, there's, there's a little bit about loss and, and grief and death in there. But the picture is so gorgeous. Can you read it again with the illustration? I, I'm... Tomorrow may bring questions that you have no answers for. Yeah, we could do a whole, actually, you know what, if you want to have me back with Mariona, we could like really talk about how the illustrations were created. I mean, it was a process for sure. It was a lot of back and forth and um, mm -hmm. negotiating and, you know, yeah. because my ideas for this book were totally different than what, what happened. Um, and I'm, I'm so happy with how, how it turned out, but I was much more, you know, when I wrote this book, even, especially this one, tomorrow mm -hmm. may bring questions that you have no answers for. That was me thinking about my parents' divorce. You know, yeah. like I was, but, but, you know, but did, did you, were you one of those authors who, who writes a, um, who writes a, um, art notes? Uh, I do if they're necessary in this case, I did not. I did not give any art notes for any and, of it. And, okay, but... that, 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 then you get something that's splendid. That that's the connection yeah. with the illustrator looking right. at her life and her anxieties. Right. Um, but my editor that's did. That's the magic. That's the miracle. <laughs> but my editor did ask me for suggestions for each spread, ah, which okay. I gave her. Okay. Um, but then Mariona took it to a different place and we realized that we needed it to be lighter right mm -hmm. or more again, again again the editor and publisher yeah is... oh i'm sorry barefoot barefoot books and um the editor is uh lisa rosinski uh, at barefoot so she's awesome amazing amazing and, 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 and this is a wonderful uh, a wonderful publisher and the other one yeah. is sleeping bear and one sleeping bear and then this one's penguin random house rocky pond Okay, well, we already talked about Laurie, and the editor of Brainstorm is... Oh, Brainstorm is Sarah Rocket, who's incredible. also amazing. Oh, we yeah. have to get her on the show. Oh, yeah, for sure. She would do I, it. I, I think I'm going to hire you as a co-anchor. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. um, so, I don't know. Do you want... Should I continue reading or next? Yeah? Okay. Uh, all right. So tomorrow... No, because maybe... we want people to run out and buy the book. Oh, okay. So then I'm not... So then we're done. <laughs> yes? No. One, one more, oh, please. One more. All right. Uh, I love, and I, I, I love this, <laughs> right? And, 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 and sometimes we have uh, answers to the questions that we read this yeah. again. Or answers that may lead you to more questions than before. Beautiful. Tomorrow may bring anything. You have no way to know. And sometimes that uncertainty gives worries room to grow. They sprout and bloom, consume your mind, you want to run and hide, but, but. You, but you confronted fear before and reached the other side. So that's Beautiful. kind of a, a gist of the book. Um, and then, you know, obviously it goes on. <laughs> so Rebecca, Garden with a Y. Yes. yes. This has been a, a wonderful interview. Um, yes. And for an introvert, I mean... Um, they're going to have to redefine the word. Well, uh, I don't think introvert means that you don't like to talk to people. I think it means that. Well, what does it mean? That you don't like chocolate ice cream? <laughs> no, it means that when you do talk to people, then you need some time to recharge on your own. So like when I do an author visit, I really, I do enjoy it. It scares me, but 
I'll do it and I get the adrenaline and I it's fun. But then I need like a day yeah. to like recuperate even, by myself. Even you know, everybody says that I'm an extrovert, right? But Are th you? there was, well, that's what people say. But I can get nervous before an interview. And, um, you know, when I had the agoraphobia, I couldn't speak to one person at a time, let alone a thousand. Mm -hmm. So, you know, people, they pigeonhole you is you're, you're a this and you're a that. But actually, we're very complicated. And sometimes we're, sometimes um, I know teachers that are very comfortable in the classroom and then they go home and they're very, very well flourished. Um, so it, it depends on context. And that, that's what that's what makes your book so lovely. Um, I and, actually uh, have to talk about this coming out, but I can't I, talk about it. <laughs> ah, not, not the ones that were announced for 2025? No, I, so I have seven more books coming. That, what? But yeah, but only, books but two coming? of them haven't been announced yet. Yeah. You want, do you, so, and one of those is the one that hasn't been announced yet. Yeah, I have two. Yeah, one of them hasn't been, uh, that one hasn't been announced yet. Listen, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to have you back on the show every month, though. <laughs> okay. Uh, um, unless, unless you become a co-host, but we'll, okay. we'll talk. We'll talk about that. Okay. In, uh, yeah. Introverted Rebecca. <laughs> but but they all are in rhyme. So I'm just saying that anybody who says that rhyming books don't sell is not. That's not true. You just have to do them well, and you have to find the right. Rhyming editor. books sell if you write them very well. Yeah. And and if you don't, that's it. They won't. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> Writing them is very hard. It's even harder than a chart. Yes. Uh, that, now, now you know. Now you know why why I don't. You need to take Renee's class there, Mel. <laughs> <laughs> Just a tip. Just a tip. I feel, I'm too late for that. <laughs> so, um, so to the introverted, I had so much fun interviewing you, Rebecca, that I forgot to introduce the program. Oh, you did. You do that a lot. <laughs> when I'm having fun. So um, this has been, so I'm, I'm Mel, Melvin with a Y, Rosenberg, and I'm the host of the, yeah, the host of the Children's Literature Channel of the New Books Network, who forgot to introduce the program. <laughs> and I've been here with the wonderful, amazingly talented, super writer, Rebecca Garden with a Y, Levington, uh, talking about her gorgeous books, her career, uh, her love for uh, for poetry and rhyme and for humanity and um so we're gonna so we're gonna say goodbye to everybody and then go out and okay. come back in the same link and uh, okay. we'll talk about we'll talk about the future okay sounds good all right thank have you I, so much have, have i forgotten anything um i mean like i said i could we could talk forever i feel like i could tell you so many stories but no i don't think we've forgotten anything say something like for well, except hoping for peace and, um, you know. 100%. Yes, my heart is with you, for sure. Um, but I spent an hour now talking from Israel, not thinking at all about the war, and that's a wonderful thing, too. Uh, Rebecca, it's been great. Go out and come back. Okay. And every everybody else, run out and buy her wonderful books okay. and uh, and share this, uh, this lovely interview. Bye, everybody else, except Bye. for Rebecca. Thank you. Bye.